be exact in the college football world. And we are here at the Field of 12 after dark to take you through it all and to overreact to everything that happened this crazy college football Saturday. I'm joined tonight, Michael Felder, Max Starks, two of my favorites in the business. Gentlemen, it is great to be here with you. Felder, you're looking good as always. How you doing? Man, I'm doing all right, Greg. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm hyped up to be here. You know, I like to overreact. And I think we've got a guy uh, who from his own team's doing might be ready to overreact a little with us tonight. That would be Max Starks. Max, you hanging in there? Uh, I'm doing good, G, but I'm, I'm hoping for you to get the parlay so we can call you G money by the end of this. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Listen, for those that don't know, uh, I do have a little parlay cooking. OK, we need the Dallas Cowboys money line and we need a CD lamb touchdown for a big profit. Best bets, by the way, our Thursday betting show here on the field of 12. You can listen to us on the Sirius XM app. And if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, please click that subscribe button. Tonight, we're going to talk some big things, some big picture things. Is the Big 12 potentially out of the college football playoff? Could Tennessee really sneak up and displace Georgia at the top of the SEC East? And maybe a couple teams who have found some bona fide studs at quarterback. But first, as always, we have to start with our toasts of the night. Max, let's go to you first here. Uh, you can give me anything from the weekend, anything ahead of you in this week. Give me somebody you want to toast to to kick us off. You know, I, I'm going I'm to toast Anthony Richardson. Over 400 yards passing, a losing effort. But to Mike Gator, who was considered a flavor of the month, he's now the flavor saver with that 400-yard performance. So that's who I'm toasting. Cheers. I, I believe I was the one who called him flavor of the month. By the way, he had a hell of a game. He really did. Cheers. I mean, that was what is it? Fountains of Wayne flavor of the week or is that American hi-fi? Excuse me. That's American hi-fi. Fountains yeah. of Wayne is Stacy's mom. Yes. American, American hi-fi is flavor of the week. Excuse me. No, okay. I um listen. I'm going to get in here and do my toast and my toast. Honestly. Whew. I'm giving I'm giving a drink to a squadron that needs a drink, and that is UNC's whole entire defense. Because, buddy, Max, if you're going to go with your where you went to school, I'm going with where I went to school. And let me tell you something: we didn't know what was going to happen when Notre Dame came to town because they hadn't really scored much, but they scored a lot, and they kept yeah. scoring. And woo, buddy. You guys, yeah. you know what you need? You need a cold tub and a, and a cold one. Yeah, they, they, they need to pack that cold tub with cold ones and just, just never get out. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, North Carolina never ceases to amaze me, Felder. It really doesn't. It's entertaining, though. I mean, it's must-see television for me every single week. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. I'm going to follow the trend here, boys. I'm going to follow the, the trend of misery and uh, throwing out a toast to someone who needs a drink. I'm a Michigan State Spartan alum. And the other thing about me, gentlemen, I respect guys when they go out and get their money. Mel Tucker's pockets, that's my toast. 95 mil, maybe a five, six-year rebuild. Get that money, Mel. Good work. My wife went to Michigan State. Hey, go green, go white, baby. I love it. Yeah, that. I know. Listen, I know about go green. Go <laughs> go green, go white. Yeah, I know all about it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in, man. Like, she's her, um, Paul Chewins is her first cousin. Oh, wow. Okay. Small yeah. world. Yeah. Very small world. So start they're one of their old starting left tackles. So, and then, which brings us into Max's world of offensive line play. So it's watching them play. I'll tell you what, man, as a defensive back, they don't do that anymore. The, the no fly zone is non-existent. No, it's a very open fly zone these days. Uh, we've got air traffic controllers everywhere saying you're good. You're good. in East Lansing. There's we'll drone, see if that changes. Helicopters is everything. It's closing the tower. Listen, yeah. this is the this is the most play Michigan State's going to get on this show all season long. So you're welcome, Spartan fans out there. Let's talk some real football teams here now, though. Let's go to the SEC, where we have Max's own Florida Gators, Tennessee Vols. To me, it was the game of the week last week, and I think it lived up to those expectations. I mean, uh, an onside kick down the stretch with a potential chance to go down and Florida sneak a win late, as you alluded to. Anthony Richardson was phenomenal to me. I, I think that's the, the highest of highs for when we say Anthony Richardson can belong in a top five quarterback in the country spot. He showed some of that this weekend. However, Tennessee gets it done. Hendon Hooker with a really, really big day. And now everything is in front of the Tennessee Volunteers. So here's the overreaction. 
Tennessee can now win the SEC East. And if you don't know, that's where Georgia plays, folks. Max, we got to go to you first. You're our SEC guy. How crazy is that statement? I still think it's crazy because that defense obviously gave up those 400-plus yards to Anthony Richardson and allowed for Florida to get back into that game. Tennessee should have handled that game a lot better, um, you know, but allowing the bombs, allowing Anthony Richardson to do Anthony Richardson-type things with his legs. Um, I really like them to be the number two team in the SEC East. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them to be a New Year's Six candidate. But college football playoffs, I mean, Georgia, I saw Georgia two weeks ago against Mm -hmm. South Carolina. And even though that they want to talk about this Kent State game, just remember the tight end took an end around 75 yards for a touchdown. A jet sweep motion for a touchdown from a tight end. How does that happen? I mean, it, because, because you know, it, as, as DJ Khaled likes to say, God did when he made him. <laughs> he did. I mean, that, that's essentially what it is. I mean, that dude is just a freak of nature. You're talking about a guy who can go catch. He can run routes with the best of receivers. Yeah. I mean, seam routes, he's unblockable. And this dude's taking end rounds literally every game. He's, he's busting it for 18, now 75 yards for the tutty. Uh, you know, that squad – they start playing their third string midway through the second quarter. Stetson Bennett does not play into the fourth quarter normally in games. So the fact that you can, you have that luxury of depth to be able to do that. That's why I don't think that anybody's going to be able to shake a leg at Georgia this year. I think they're destined for a collision course to go. And honestly, I think beat Alabama. Um, I don't think Alabama is that good. If we're talking about overreactions, I, I, I think Alabama is not as good as people think they are. Wow. So we're we're going to get into Alabama, uh, I think, later this week in a couple of different ways. For tonight, though, Georgia, you, you're talking about how they're still the top dog. They're still number one in uh, our field of 12 power rankings, by the way. We haven't displaced them at all. Stetson Bennett was number one on the field of 12 Heisman rankings last week. He is no longer in the top five after what you would say is a rough day compared to the other big quarterbacks in the country. Uh, Brock Bowers did jump up. He is in the top five at five for the record. But I guess my only pushback here on Georgia right now would be it's very easy to say they're the best in the country because I think they are. They're the most talented. How does a team like Kent State stay in a game with Georgia for 60 minutes, though? Because to me, that sort of happened, right, Felder? Yeah. So here's the thing. And we talked about this on Saturday night on the field of 12 after dark with Clint Sterner and with, with, with Christian Hackenberg. And they talked about the difference between declaration versus confusion. And you won't confuse Georgia, but if you force them to, de- to, to declare what they're doing, then you at least know what you're supposed to do. Does that make sense, Max? Where yeah. if you, you create these, because Kent State, we saw them use those wide splits. Humongous splits. I mean, Huge almost sidelines. Yeah. Which is what Tennessee does as well, which mm-hmm. is why Tennessee is going to have an advantage over teams, maybe like a Kentucky, if you will, that will try to tighten things up and confuse you with exchanges. Who's one, who's two, who's three, confuse you with exchanges versus forcing you to show everything that you're going to do. Then they have a decision already made because you're wrong pre-snap and I think that's going to be the interesting part of this football game but you look at what Tennessee has and the big thing for me and to, to circle back to, to like obviously with Georgia I think they are still the number one team in the country and they should be and I love Stetson Bennett on the move I love it and the fact that Darnell Washington's getting the football you're giving the ball to a guy that's literally built like he's some sort of a transformer like he's a monster he's a monster guys yeah. Let's just put that he's a he's a young monster He's the same size as LeBron James, basically. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, those yeah. those guys aren't everywhere, gentlemen. That's not a that's not a normal yeah. thing there's, in the world. Um, there's a handful of them room in the country, and I'm including the NFL. Yeah, uh, between him, Oscar Delp, and Brock Bowers, and then whenever we see Eric Gilbert, I mean, tell me a better four. No, you won't. The there's no there's no there's no room. Yeah. So looking ahead for Tennessee, they have yes. Alabama and Kentucky at home this year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some would say that's a break. Some would say, well, it's not a break because they have to play Alabama. Alabama's not in this division. Uh, it, if they did not have to play Alabama, you could convince yourself maybe it's just the winner of Tennessee, Georgia comes out of the SEC East. Uh, what do you think Tennessee has to do given that schedule? Can they just beat Georgia and lose another game and still get there? Or do they need to truly run the table through what is sort of a gauntlet schedule, even though they have some big home games? Max, what do you think? Uh, I think you have to beat Georgia. You got to beat your division. That At the end of the day, we, we can overlook Bama, right? Because that's a Western foe. That's a crossover game. You've got to dominate the East if you want a shot at, at, at having the East crown and getting to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. You must be, you can't, you can't afford to lose. If you lose to Georgia, just take the 10 wins and, and call it a day. Which and it's at take, Georgia. Yeah, it is. Between the hedges, Sam for State. Taking 10 wins should feel like success, but we're getting so hype on them that like 10 wins almost feels like, oh, well, what if we just did this? Or what if we only got that? And that's the scary part. In year two under yeah. Josh Heifel, by the way. Yep. And we're parsing the straws about 10 wins if it's good enough. But the fact that he's changed this over and also let's say he finally got the right quarterback in Hendon Hooker. Yes. Can, we, can we at least say that? I mean, if Hendon Hooker has a good day and they still lose to, to, to Georgia um, or they still lose to Alabama, I still like Hendon Hooker as my dark horse, not saying he's top five, put him in the top six for the Heisman race because I think he earned it in this last game throwing for over 300 yards and then also rushing for over 100 yards to will Tennessee over the hump for my team, who's been a bugaboo for them for the last decade plus. They Can I just – off their back. You said, you said Will, so I want to get you guys two thoughts. Where does Will Levis in Kentucky fit in in this entire package? Yeah. I mean, he, he's about he, – I mean, he, it's about as good as him eating a whole banana. Um, you know <laughs> – Still included. Uh, I don't think Will gets in the upper echelon conversation. I think he's an upgrade. And I think because of what we've known for Kentucky quarterbacks to be as of late, he's an upgrade from that. But I think he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He handles the game. It's still a, Kentucky's still a team that's predicated on the run. Like the run has yes. to be set up for the passing game to go. Hendon Hooker is the run and the pass. Like, if they want to win, it's because of him. Whereas Will Levis, he's there as a part of the win. 461 total yards for Hennon Hooker this week. Three touchdowns. He is up to third on the field of 12 Heisman rankings right now. Uh, Felder, is he the top dual threat quarterback in the country? I mean, we still got Caleb Williams in the mix, right? I would throw Caleb Williams exactly in that mix, coming off what was kind of a stinker in the Oregon Whoa. State game. I mean, I, I know we weren't. We're gonna get. I know we're gonna get to that. Um, I would put Hinton Hooker up there, yeah. Especially because Bryce. Well, here's the thing: Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud can be dual threat quarterbacks if they want to. Yeah, they just don't want to. So yeah. I guess in guys, in, but Bryce Young ran for 100 yards to start the season. So it's it's yes, I think he's a top two, top three dual threat quarterback. But I also realized that there are a couple guys that are, I don't know if they're holding their offenses back, but they are holding that part of their game back because they don't want to be labeled as dual threat. They don't be labeled as running quarterbacks. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, 100%. I think, uh, I mean, your point about CJ and Bryce to me, like whether it's want to or even need to sometimes, like I, I think. Right. Henny Hooker has to make plays on the run at times in order for Tennessee to hang in games uh, against going, the best of the best, going. right? Yeah. When when you're the quarterback at Georgia or the quarterback at Alabama, you're just not going to face By way, Stetson threats. Bennett. Stetson Bennett has a dual threat. We need, we also need to put him in there. My he man's out. He listen. He's juking out there. This guy got <laughs> He's hitting those. He's hitting his R twos and his L twos. <laughs> That, that guy's a technician. He knows exactly. He probably has that little turbo button underneath on the controller. You know, that that little hidden button. That yeah. we know about. You see the two top uh, toggles. He has that little, that little button on the bottom, you know. Um, but, yeah, and Stetson surprised me in that South Carolina game as yeah. much as he rushed in that game, putting him on the move, 
and seeing what he can do as far as throwing on sprint outs and giving him the RPO two-way goes. Um, but I, I completely agree with you. I, th- I think Hendon Hooker has to be in that top two, three conversation. And I wonder, <laughs> let me pose this question to you guys. Do you think it's Ohio State and Alabama's offense holding back before they get into the meat of league play and they don't want to unveil it, trying to stay a little bit more vanilla and save that dimension for later in the year? I I think it is these quarterbacks, especially because I went through preseason. These guys, you know how many total yards they had rushing, including sacks, obviously. They had five yards combined wow. rushing. Five combined. C.J. Stroud and Bryson had five rushing yards combined through two seasons as starters. And I think it's because they don't want to get that Lamar Jackson label. They don't want to have, you know, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN telling them that they are a runner, more of a runner than a thrower. They don't want that. But and so Jackson is also the top quarterback in the league right now and has working on his second MVP as we speak, which is, and he's, oh, I to, agree. Hey, blank check. Just, just here you go. Here you go, Lamar. Here, here's the pen. I <laughs> agree. Yeah. Hey, hey, right. I, I can see how that stigma is going to affect, but you look right. at the Deshaun Watsons of the world, the right. Russell Wilson's right. Where it, is, it is a positive but you see the Lamar Jackson and you think the Michael Vicks and, and such. And yes. it's sad to say that, but because they, they have good arms and they can also have good legs. I think they just, I think they're, they're very worried. About, they're focused on avoiding the stigma of that, which it shouldn't be a stigma. It should be an advantage, which yeah. is what I think we're going to get with Caleb Williams and Anthony Richardson. And I think that's the next phase that we have to get to. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's uh, let's move to the Big 12 where we had the upset of the week in college football. Kansas State with a massive win over Oklahoma in Norman. Uh, some have gone as far as to say that Kansas State is the reason that Oklahoma is looking to leave the Big 12. I didn't say it, but I know someone Wait, who what? did. I'm... <laughs> you hadn't heard that, Felder? No, I hadn't heard that. I had so not we, heard uh... that. I'm I'm plugging uh, at the field of 68.shop. You can get a a little Kansas State shirt that says uh, Oklahoma is in the Big 12 because of us. So just saying I I didn't say it, but I heard it and I'm spreading it. Uh, Kansas State fans ecstatic as they should be with that. At the same time, Texas goes down to Texas Tech in overtime in a fantastically watchable game. But the two giants of the Big 12 have been slayed and that poses a question, gentlemen. Is the Big 12 out of the college football playoff race? Felder, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think I, – no, they're not. Oklahoma's a brand name. If they went out, they're probably going to – they're going to get in. That's the reality. They went out, they're in. And obviously, you, you look at what happened with them, 41-34 to 34 against K-State. I, I mean, I just – Matt, Max, can you talk, walk, talk me through what you think Brett Venables is doing right now. Brett Venables is trying to figure out how he can get ready for the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. They both lost. They both just lost. They both, yeah. They both lost. <laughs> Oklahoma and Texas both lost. They lost to Texas Tech and K-State, and they're going to walk in and be like, we're going to – what are we What are we doing? <laughs> I'm going to amend my toast of the evening, guys. And I'm going to say, Brett Yormark, your dream came true. Both <laughs> of the guys that you did not walking, want walking away with, with, with the trophy that said Big 12 champ, you just got your wish today <laughs> as we talk about this. Both of them went down. And Kansas is 4-0, baby. <laughs> oh, God. Rank Kansas, Jayhawks. <laughs> if God forbid any poll voters are watching this, put some respect on the Jayhawks name. For please sure. rank those boys. They are fun to watch. Jalen Daniels is electric. Uh, OK, so I want to I want to go back to Felder's hypothetical of Oklahoma with one loss here yeah. because they're they're obviously a brand name. No doubt about that. Yep. And they're they're more than capable of running the table with this team. Let's just play schedule games here. Alabama and Georgia don't play in the regular season. They meet in the SEC championship. One of them loses. They're both undefeated. They're both in. No matter who loses that game, they're both in the playoff. Okay. That's two. Big 10 winners in, whether that's Ohio State or Michigan, if they Mm -hmm. run the table, which we would assume. Well, I guess we shouldn't assume. They might not run the table. Or Minnesota. Or Minnesota. We're going to get to them as well. But a a one-loss Big 10 team is in. 
Okay. Let's say Ohio State, Michigan, say they're both undefeated and the loser of that game is the one loss team against Oklahoma. Either you've got one loss Ohio State or one loss Michigan to an undefeated Big Ten champ, Ohio State slash Michigan. Is that Big Ten team getting in as a second Big Ten team over Oklahoma? Max. Uh, I'd like a sidebar. Where is USC in this equation? If they, they could be the in the equation as well. They could be. They, they I mean, the they're a bid stealer. Well, say, say they see Oregon in the Pac-12 championship since Oregon seems to have their stuff together. Does does that happen? Do, do, does that <laughs> wipe out the Big 12? So I, get Pac-12 in there for the first time in God knows how long. I, so there's bid Did you watch here, the right? game? <laughs> I did, and it looked terrible. But okay. – if they still win because the rest of the Pac-12 is terrible, they got to be in there. They got to be in there, right? But that's right? the same thing with Clemson. And Clemson. So you've got at, – at this point, a yeah, lot has yeah. to happen for Oklahoma then, right? Because you're Who looking at – four-ranked teams? That's it. If, I'm going. No. If, <laughs> if ACC goes undefeated, champ, Clemson, they're in. If USC goes undefeated, Pac-12, champ, they're in. Sure. Uh, if, if one of those happens, that's a bid. Alabama and Georgia, I think, is safe to assume both. Until we see one of them lose, it's just safe to assume two spots. And then, I mean, one Big Ten team's got to get it. There's just a lot of work that has to happen for Oklahoma here. On the flip side of this, though, there's an undefeated team in the Big 12 we're not talking about in the top 10 right now, Oklahoma State. Is anybody buying Oklahoma State as a legitimate threat to run the table? No. Quick no? Nope. 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 No. I didn't think about it. Defense isn't even close to what they were a year ago. Not close. And you no. lose – Obviously, I understand when you lose Rodriguez, it's tough. But when you lose Knowles, it's even tougher. I just – no. 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 It, it's a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Before yeah. So who So who comes out of the Big 12 then at this point? Baylor. 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 Wow. Like Baylor too. Wow. Okay. Kansas right. like joking about it, but Baylor's a real deal in the Big 12. Their, their, their front seven and their offensive line is the real deal. Those guys aren't playing around. And when they put the paws on you, you got to get the cold tub the next day. Wow. They are their mascot. That's all I'm going to say. They are their mascot. Wow. Yes. I'm yeah. a big fan of uh, head coaches who look like their mascot. So if you're going to tell me a whole football team is like their mascot, Max, I'm in. I'll buy Baylor stock right now. No lie. Aranda, good coach, good culture, good football team. I like yeah. it. Uh, so who of the one loss big brands, though, Oklahoma, Texas, and then we can move on to, to the Minnesota that Felder was alluding to. Are you buying Oklahoma or Texas as the team that finishes the season stronger? Felder, what do you think? Is I mean, this Come on. Are you serious? I, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Oklahoma. Why is it that crazy? Because tech, like you because, saw Texas against Alabama. Sure. Yeah. I also saw Alabama against Texas. And what I saw was an Alabama team. It was like, oh, we can sleepwalk through this. And then an Alabama team that same was like, yeah, we're not that good. We have to play better. Versus Who's Texas. Who? Texas. Texas's best game is a loss. Who's a more dangerous football team, an Alabama team sleepwalking or a Kansas State team with everything they've got? Who's more dangerous? Oh, I mean, I, it's Alabama. I don't care if they're Alabama, sleepwalking, right? Sure, like, because they can they'll turn it on and they'll figure out a way to get it done. But I, I just think for me. Texas still like I watched the Texas Tech video. The, have you guys seen the video of Texas Tech's head coach? I don't think so. So he, there's a video of him in the locker room from the Texas Tech main account. And he literally goes, I told you at halftime, we got them. We got them. We got two more rounds. You go out and fight for two more rounds and they'll quit. Wow. And he, like, if that's the way that you're thinking about, like, it's not, and it wasn't like a motivational thing. Like, this wasn't to get them amped up to play. This was after the game where he's like, I told you guys in the locker room, I told you they'll quit. And then he comes back and he's like, remember, I told you this. Look what happened. Yeah, that so, says something. I mean, you're not wrong. It says something. Well, uh, and, and my thing is, I think even more so it's for Texas, like the brand still isn't there. I mean, am I buying Sark as the leader of the ship as, as this guy that's going to just 
Willing did you to- buy him? Did you buy him as the leader of Washington? Nope. Did you buy him as a leader at USC? Absolutely not. So why am I supposed to buy him now? Because he was washed in the waters of Saban. That's why. He went and got baptized, and now he's reborn. At Nick Saban's house of wayward coaches. Exactly. (laughs) You know, when when Saban does those little Zooms and you see the pool in the backyard that has, like, leaves in it, that's where he got baptized. (laughs) Yeah. Dunk it, you're good. There we go, my child. Save five our fathers and three El Marys. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be a head coach of a power five soon. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, for the record, I, I think Texas and Oklahoma are very close. And I, I know I'm the differentiator really? here, but I no, do. Why? I, I just am impressed with the Texas game against Oklahoma. And if that's all that's on the resume and you want to kick me for that, that's fine. But I, I don't think the Oklahoma team that I saw against Kansas state makes that a game. Even if you're, if you're dead on Felder, I hear your point about Alabama saving everything. And he wanted a competitive game. You're, you're dead on. I buy that, but I still don't think the Oklahoma team we saw against Kansas state is competitive in that spot. I really don't. So we'll see a lot. A lot of football left. Long, long way to go. How long until we get to the Red River? Oh, we're going to get there. Uh, ooh. Isn't that? I think that's still a couple weeks away. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. It's the beginning of October. Texas State Fair. Yep. Stay yeah. tuned. The 8th. All right. Uh, let's go to the Big Ten, my country here, where <laughs> we, we have the worst division in power five football we do that's uh the big 10 west right okay let's just let's be straight up about it on the east you've got ohio state michigan penn state and i don't care who the other teams are that's three really really good football teams in my opinion in the west you've got minnesota and that's it and i i honestly chuckled by the time i said that with a straight face and that's no disrespect to pj fleck and what he's building row the boat i hear you tanner morgan Mo Ibrahim. I mean, uh, Dagan told us that was his computer nerd lock of the week last week that they had all the advanced metrics on the number one quarterback, number one running back in the country. And they just smoked Michigan State. But down the line in that division, Wisconsin off a blowout loss to Ohio State, now two and two with the Washington State loss as well. Purdue, two and two, oh and one in the Big Ten. Iowa can't score to save their lives, but they did go to Piscataway and get a win against Rutgers. I mean, this this is a mess of a conference, boys. So the overreaction, Minnesota is going to dog walk their way to a championship in the Big Ten West. Max, what do you think? I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to say yes. I'm buying that. That's not an overreaction. That's more of a reality. Just because when you look at Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, home of the Cornhusker. Who is going to actually give them a game in the West? There is nobody. Is like you said, the worst division in all of all of college football resides in the Big Ten West, and Minnesota just happens to be. I can't. I have to use a politically correct word. The tallest short person in the room. See, I did it. I did yeah. it. I, I didn't, I didn't say it. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know what's scary about all of this is Northwestern is still undefeated in the division. That hurts. To hear that said out loud as a Big Ten guy, that hurts. Like, they're still, like, it's there for the taking. Mathematically, they're still in it. <laughs> like, literally, I'm looking at the standings right now, and conference-wise, they're 1-0. and And they were in a dogfight with mighty Miami of Ohio this week, Felder. <laughs> and yet they can still be the ones that uh, take it home. It hurts no. so bad. Well, I mean, I, also, I was tied in there with them. So, you, you know, so, I mean, that's where you're like, really, really? That, that's how bad we are that Northwestern and Iowa are tied with Minnesota for, for the Big Ten West so right now. Let's uh, let's let's play a little, I guess, hypothetical out here, because I do think Minnesota is a. A solid football team. You love them. Tell me more. You love them. Listen, anytime you've got a quarterback who looks exactly like the head coach, um, (laughs) I'm in for that. He, I mean, Tanner Morgan looks exactly like PJ Fleck and it's insane to see he's completely, he's so bought in that he got the same haircut and which is being bald. And as a bald man, um, I respect that. Uh, That's why I wear a hat all the time when we do the shows, fellas, because there's nothing underneath here. Yeah, but, um, 
focus, focus on focus on the hang time. Focus Look down here. Time. Look down here. <laughs> but no, but Mo Ibrahim is so good. And watching what he was able to do to Michigan State, that was embarrassing for a team that, what are we thinking? For the last decade, they've had a stout defense, a defense that was so tough, so strong. And Greg, you're 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 a Spartan, dude. Like you know they were tough. You know about the no fly zone, but you also know about those linebackers that were ready to play. You had a whole family of linebackers come through with the Bullets. Yep. And literally now we got the swagless Halliday guy in there getting ran over by a running back and just whoo, buddy, this ain't good. No, it, even the backups. I mean, this was this was a four quarter domination from Minnesota, and uh, it wasn't just the two guys you named who are fantastic. I'm with you there. Uh, I I do have to share something. My podcast co-host Carter Elliott said this morning when we were talking about Minnesota. He said Tanner Morgan is about six months away from his career as a luxury condo salesman, and he <laughs> he we made him look like Joe Montana. Uh, that had me chuckling a little bit. But so here's the hypothetical I would just pose because I look, I said it and I fully mean it. It's the worst division in power five football, bar none. However, there are some teams I expect more of by the end of the season than Mm -hmm. right now in that group, Wisconsin being one of them, Purdue with Aiden O'Connell. Like, I I have no idea what's going on with that team. Is he going to be healthy? (sighs) Good question. Knock on wood. I hope so, because I love watching him play, but it's a fair concern. And then, I mean, look, we can make fun of Iowa all we want. I think the Iowa defense is for real. I mean, they smothered, they smothered Rutgers at Rutgers in a night game. Um, I can't believe I just said that. That's like applauding a child for not peeing themselves when they're seven. But I I mean, look, here's the point. All those teams in group B that I just named Wisconsin, Purdue and Iowa. Like, would you buy that group? Someone emerging? Or would you buy Minnesota alone to run away with it? Because I think I would still lean in the group more. Max, let's go to you first. Um, I, you know what? I, I, I might buy the field on that one. Um, I think Minnesota is a good team. Like you said, I think you have some good pieces for Minnesota, but I feel like a letdown somewhere in there. And like you said, with everything being all the same, you know, Wisconsin – this is what we expect from Wisconsin, but Wisconsin can also put out a shutdown game and they can just, you know, lull you to sleep and get a victory. And I fear that against Minnesota could be a possibility. Um, Purdue, we don't know what we're getting from week to week with Purdue. Let's just, let's just put it out there, you, you know? And so I think I would buy the field to have like an upset victory that gets somebody in on the technicality over Minnesota. Felder. I like Minnesota. Wow. I, I really do. I like this football team. I think that – I don't know how much people have seen Minnesota, but I don't know that there's a player in the country that can flip their hips quicker on one of those play-action RPO-type da- type jams than Tanner Morgan. The way that he's able to give you action to his left and then flip it open and then get actually set to throw from his right is remarkable. And that's something to me that just – it really stands out from a quarterback standpoint. And so I think that this is a guy, I mean, there's, is there, let me, let me ask you guys this. Is there a quarterback that's more intrinsically tied to their coach than Tanner Morgan? And I like, I made the joke about the haircut and the whole deal and the look, but this is a guy that was committed to him at Western Michigan. He's been studying this offense that entire time. He's a, what is he a fifth or a six year senior? He knows what he's doing. They have trust in each other. They have the thing that Napier and Anthony Richardson, the thing they're trying to get. Yeah, They have it, and they have it in a big way. So I trust that. But let's flip it over. Let's, let's, because let's go down the list, right? Okay. Do they trust, do you think that they trust um, Petrus at Iowa to do anything? No. Outside of getting the ball and not dropping it, probably not. Do we think that we trust Graham Mertz to do anything? No. No. Well, sell sell some more merch. <laughs> right. So, like, what are we, like, and I love Tommy DeVito. I'm a big Tommy DeVito guy, but do they, you think they trust Tommy DeVito at Illinois? No, absolutely not. So, I mean, but I think that's where it comes. But can they put it together for one game? 
Right. If if, if right. they have one game where they're off, where yeah, it, when and that's on. where I think that's where Mo Ibrahim comes in. Okay, I can see that. I can because see that. because if the if we can't throw and things aren't going well through the air, you know what? We lean hard on the ground game, and I think mm-hmm. that's the part that makes it interesting for me. Do you buy this Minnesota team so much to say that they could give the Big Ten East winner a game in the title game or no? Do you draw the line there? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, said well, the West, and that was it. That's all well, I'm talking about. <laughs> Felder, we got we, we to gotta get you a, a, an Emmy Award or something for that, man. You have me gassed out. You waving the Gophers flag until we draw the line with one of the big three. Oh, that was good. All right. Well, we'll check in with you, Felder. You're on Minnesota Watch officially for the rest of the season. Maybe in a couple of weeks you'll feel differently. Uh, you you talk so much about the, the quarterback in Minnesota, Tanner Morgan, and yes. a couple, couple teams this week, quote, unquote, found their quarterbacks. And I'm referring to Texas A&M and I'm referring to Clemson. Let's start with Clemson because to me, the terminology there with DJ, I don't know that found feels right. I think they found DJ a while ago. I just think they haven't been happy with what they found consistently very much. Uh, But this week to me, DJ Uyagalele played a a big role in them sneaking away with a win in the Wake Forest game. Uh, Overtime game. He had to make plays down the stretch. They were consistently down, down the stretch. It was not like they were trying to hang on to a lead. They were trying to stay in the game repeatedly with big drive after big drive after big drive. And he showed up. He didn't make a mistake. He marched them down the field and found the end zone. So to me, I know it's fun to throw around Kate Klubnik, talented kid. Is that dead at this point, though? For an undefeated team that just knocked off their biggest threat in that conference right now, is this DJ Uyaga Lele's show for the rest of the season? Felder. Yeah, this is it. Like, let's do it. Run it, DJ. Go do your thing. And I think the other part, and I say run it as in like run the show, but the reality is he's also running more. And it's been a function of his success because he's able to manipulate those safeties. So, yeah, I, I think this is his, barring injury, obviously, barring some sort of like catastrophic game, this is DJ's show to run. What do you think, Max? Hold up. I just got – all right. I just subscribed to uh, uh, Davo Sweeney's uh, playlist on Spotify. First song, it's by the great American philosopher Lil Wayne. Go DJ, that's my DJ, okay? That, there it is, right there. You know what I'm saying? I'm just – I mean, let's just – we've been waiting for this game for DJ. Hell, yes. Dr. Pepper with that NIL deal has been waiting for this game. Yeah. Bojangles. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Bojangles. So – it's finally paid off, you know, in 19 career starts, this is the opportunity. This is what you were waiting for to see. Yeah. And it's tough to come after the King, which was Trevor sure. Lawrence yeah. and assume that mantle that he held for so long, but he's doing it in his own way. And I think that you have to give him this season. You're undefeated because of him, in spite of him, however you want to do it, he's been at the helm and you've won. So I think you have to continue to let that ride out. But this, he's not Cade McNamara. That's the other part. And that's yeah. no disrespect to Cade McNamara. But the reality of it is, DJ can do everything you want him to do. Yeah. And, and more. He can do anything. If, you, if you've got the pieces around him. And the receivers are finally starting to grow up. And I think that's the biggest part of this offense that's been interesting. They're, they're fi- they're tar- Have you seen the way they've targeted the tight ends? Because Davis Allen had himself a game. And well, that was... The line huge. grew up from last year to this year. Yes. That's another, that's another piece the protection to get it to those guys because you got wiped out. You know, yep. when Trevor left, all that offensive line talent left, and you had freshmen, you know, <laughs> playing and trying sophomores trying to get into and they were skinny. Little, little dudes. You know, they definitely <laughs> needed all the way and all the creatine they could get. And yeah. now, now they're starting to bulk up and now they're starting to look like the Clemson lines that we're used to. And because they took that notch back last year. That's why it's like so surprising and it's going to be ugly. But when Dabo first got the job and they were climbing to prominence, it was ugly, but they still won. And I think that's what it is. It's not the way that we expect it to be. It's just eventuality. Yeah. Yeah. And I Felder, I like your point on he's not McNamara again, no disrespect. I'm from the state of Michigan. Cade McNamara can win you a lot of ballgames, but this is a guy who can step up and make the NFL throws. This is a guy who has the top end talent 
that just hasn't translated in the record sheet at all how Clemson expected it would. But this year so far it is. And yeah. I, honestly, I think that the concept of this still being a quarterback battle to me is insane after last week. Uh, it should be dead. If it wasn't dead already, it should be very clearly dead now. Uh, but let's flip to the other team I mentioned, Texas A&M, who is back and forth between their quarterbacks. And then we get Max Johnson in. He's 2-0 and as a starter. They sneak away with the win against Arkansas, a crazy game, some insane plays in that game in the neutral site in Dallas. Uh, it, let's say this, if you're Texas A&M, do you feel confident with Max Johnson as your guy that you can go out and compete in that conference Felder? I mean, I think they have to, right? Like what's it, like, what, what good does it do them to not feel confident? Like if, if you don't think that this is the guy who's going to be the guy, cause you don't have any other guys. So you either think you can compete and think you can do it or you can't, but let's look like, we're talking about someone who went, what did, let me, like, hang on, 11 for 21. That's not, like, he didn't beat the world. So let me go back to the. But, but he made I, the plays when they needed him to, whereas Haynes King has not made those plays, and Haynes which, King's been in this offense for three years. Which is my point where yeah. I'm not saying he's a world beater. I'm saying that he he did what he had to do to help them get a win over an Arkansas team that I thought really dropped the they I mean they they crapped the bed right and that just it after coming out hot they just really sat on their hands and I look at this and and obviously we're gonna figure out what's going on with Aeneas Smith but I look at them and I look at Max Johnson and I think yes he's fine but He's fine in the same way that Zach Calzada was fine. And Zach Calzada is the third string quarterback at Auburn now. Yeah. Am I crazy so, for that? No, I don't I don't think you are. Um, and you, you mentioned Aeneas Smith reports that he is out for the season. So thoughts up to to Smith and his family and that team. That's rough. Um, very rough. I mean, superstar, superstar, game breaker type player. So I, to bring this full circle, <laughs> Felder, uh, back to Cade McNamara in the Max Johnson conversation. No matter what we say about Cade McNamara and his arm talent or anything about his ability as a quarterback, there's that clip of him. The very first game, he took the ball under center against Rutgers, telling the whole locker room, what if we win out? And that team was nuts. But there was something about that man in the locker room looking guys in the eyes that yes. resonated where you would say we can go up against Ohio state and we can win that game. And people felt that and it manifested itself into reality. When I talk belief, do they believe they have a chance with Mac John Max Johnson at the helm? Can they really go into a locker room together before a game against Alabama or before a game against Georgia? And do those guys in that room really believe that they're going to win that game with Max Johnson under center? Oh, I think because of what happened a year ago with, as the aforementioned Zach Calzada, yeah, they do believe it. I think they do believe it. And so that's – it's going to be interesting to see how, what it, how it shakes out, but this is going to be – this is going to be an a team that every game is going to be one of those, like, just how do we handle this? What are we going to get to? Because this is a team that is in a fight with App State. They're in a fight with Miami. They're in a fight with Arkansas. Every game for them is going to be a fight. And I think – I mean, we just – we all just watch the Auburn versus – Mizzou game, horrible game, horrible. <laughs> nobody won that game. It's just one team actually lost the game. I mean, nobody <laughs> wanted to win that game. The way that they played that game, like, I mean, if you're Mizzou, you've got to be sick to your stomach. Yes, about the way that that ended. But I don't want to get off too far because I actually called that Arkansas Texas A and M game. Right. So you tell me. You're the you're the expert. You tell yeah. me. Hey, but I wanted to hear you guys banter. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just a guy sitting next to another guy talking to another guy, you know, but, you know, um, but I'm not a piccolo player. But the whole point is, is that like what you say about Texas A&M is so young. Yeah, that's the problem. You have 24 freshmen who have played significant time for you. Yep. And that's where the struggle, they had nine offensive penalties. Six were pre-snap. Yeah. You are not supposed to win a football game with that. They had a delay of game 
after a kickoff, Felder. Yep. Yeah. They had another one after a timeout. On the sideline. They had another one after a timeout. Like, it's bad. It didn't make it to the huddle. Like, what is wrong with you? But I will say this. Devon A-Chain. Beast. I see your Mo Ibrahim, and I raise you a Devon A-Chain. That kid is right up there with him. Because that 63-yard run that he pulled, right, that was before the whole kerfluffle when Arkansas's going down and the K.J. Jefferson jumped from the five. Who jumped from the five, thinking they're in the end zone? I digress. But Sean Jackson. Yeah, that is true. Yes. <laughs> but you literally needed a play at the very worst moment because you were down 14 zip. And Devon A. Chain said, hold my beer real fast. Let me go, let me go ahead and put us in position right down the field. And then to then have that confidence, right? After they score, you go down for you're, you're now down 14-7. Arkansas is driving. They are inside your five. And to have that heads up play, that changed it. And that was a 23-0 and run. Yep. They had confidence. The defense was picking up. They had four freshmen playing defensive end for them. Yep. Four true, true 17-year-old freshmen yep. playing in that game against that experienced Arkansas line that I watched absolutely steamroll South Carolina two weeks prior. where They were actually starting to thud guys up and stun them. And Arkansas got lazy. They, they really walked in, into AT&T Stadium in the Jerry's world and thought they were going to win this game just by showing up. And they pulled their foot off the pedal. And yeah. that's when they got stunned. And I have to say this. I, I, I said this earlier. I saw a tweet when I was leaving the stadium with my crew. Watching the tweet. It said, so if you miss a field goal and it hits an upright, it's called a doink. But if it's Arkansas... Wouldn't you call it annoying? <laughs> oh. I have I have one question to ask you, Max, about Arkansas. Yeah. Or, excuse me, about AM. They are playing a lot of freshmen. They got young guys. What does this look like? Halloween. Um, Halloween, by the time you get to Halloween, I think you have those freshmen have grown up. You're either over or you're under. I think they're over. They're over. Okay. I think they're over just because those guys, you know, and you know, with young guys, every play goes into the data bank. Sure. I think mentally, I'm talking, I'm talking bodies. Oh, no. In the SEC. What are the, what do those bodies look like? Are they, do they, can they still do it physically? Yeah. Those kids, if you saw them pregame when I was walking around the field, I love it. That don't look like a 17 year old. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, hey, listen. That Texas A&M NIL money bought some, bought some, <laughs> bought some figurines. Okay. And they bought some statues. The, the half the kids were chiseled out of marble. So I think they physically have it, and I think mentally it'll catch up to the right. body. Uh, I love that. Know, That's yeah, the part of football I really – I love. That's the, that I, I had to ask you because you've seen them in person, yeah. and I just – because we always hear about the freshman wall, the freshman wall, and that freshman wall is always around Halloween. Yeah. That yeah. last month of this, and then you go into November, and you're like, these guys don't got it no more. And I wanted it, so I, I had to ask about it. All right, great. Yeah. I'm giving it great. You, no, where did, do we got to go, fellas. This was fantastic. Uh, and also, just for the record, when we talk nil money, I'm glad somebody's nil money is buying something because John Ruiz's money down in Miami, Florida, not buying whatever he thought it was buying. <laughs> let's just throw that out there. Uh, from while I talk about Miami, let's move to the opposite coast, though. Let's move to the Pac-12, Yogi's territory. Uh, I stayed up late and was listening to Yogi call the the fantastic finish to USC Oregon State. Another crazy game on Saturday. Oregon comes from behind to beat Washington State, a game that looked like they had no business winning. Bo Nix made some massive plays to atone for the pick six that he threw early on in that game. Uh, we've got Washington, who, quite frankly, I don't think we're spending enough time talking about 4-0, and and Michael Penix Jr. has been fantastic. They're yeah. headed to play UCLA this week, 4-0. Versus four and zero, oh. so overreaction time. The Pac-12 is the deepest conference in the country. I'm saying this to an ACC guy and an SEC guy. That feels a little blasphemous to me, fellas. Is it blasphemous, Max? What do you think? You know, I, I, I can't. You know, I can't make an argument against it right now. Outside of the fact that you know, when you look at Oregon and taking that blasting from Georgia, and that really kind of knocked the entire conference down. 
right? That was like the bottom piece of a Jenga, you know, yeah. when, when they went out there. It's like up. when you play with your kids. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're just like, ah, I was like, you talked me into that. Um, but when you look at kind of them now catching their legs underneath themselves, I think with the USC, with UCLA, with Washington, even with a one loss Utah, you know, you got four ranked teams in the Pac-12 that are all good teams. Now, we're not comparing them to the other conference, but when you talk top to bottom, I think there's a little bit more room for them to be more competitive, whereas I think when you look ACC, when you look Big Ten, when you look SEC, like it's very top heavy. And then you have, you know what I'm saying? Then you have, boom, you have Illinois, right? <laughs> you have you have what Purdue <laughs> Northwestern is in the wet. When you're thinking Big Ten, like the bottom of the conference, I don't necessarily see, I see more of evenness throughout the Pac-12 versus a lot of the other conferences where you know who the cream is at the top of the division. Yeah, I, for me, I look at them. I do. Th- I think they've got right now three contenders, three teams that could get to the playoff. With Oregon, obviously, even though getting destroyed by Georgia, uh, if they went out. I think they're a team that's going to be in consideration. I think that Utah's a team that's going to be in consideration. And then if USC completely wins out and they're an undefeated football team, they're also going to be in consideration. And that doesn't even include this UCLA team that is still finding ways to win, even though they almost lost to South Alabama. So it's um. <laughs> It's it's interesting to see. I will say this, and I know we, I know I'm trying to be a little quick because I know we got to get to the the three stars. But man, Oregon State, <sighs> nothing nothing hurt me harder. Nothing hurt me harder this weekend than Oregon State losing that football game. A team that you've bottled up all weekend, or the entire Saturday, you had them contained, and then with three minutes to play, you let them go on a 85-yard drive and score a touchdown to take the – I just – that one hurt because you came out, and I'll tell you what, shout out to to Phil Knight and Nike. They made you – you looked fresh. You looked <laughs> yeah. good. You played good, and you couldn't close the door on them. And, I mean, realistically, between Washington State and Oregon State not being able to close the door on those two teams, it's it's – we're we're gonna see some fun games in the Pac-12. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not wrong. Uh, one of them being that Washington UCLA game this week. Yes, I'm uh, excited. I'm very excited to see that one. Uh, and I'm with you. I had, uh, of course, I'm a gambling man. I had a little <laughs> little bit of change on the Beavers, and uh, those four turnovers just slowly chopped away at my soul. What was the, what was the final score in that game? Was it 17-14? Was that 17-14 final score? So great. the 17-14 as a final in 2022 in college football. <laughs> hey, and not in the Big Ten West either, right? Yeah. <laughs> Iowa was not involved in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess technically oh. it was the Big Ten West because USC was there. Just give it a year. Sure. Ooh. Wow. You guys, last thing on this from, from a Pac-12 perspective, are you still buying USC to come out of that conference? I mean, I would think escaping with a win in Corvallis probably still leaves them atop from my view, but Oregon looks nasty right now. They look dangerous. What do you think? Go ahead, Max. Uh, I mean, reluctantly, I say yes. Reluctantly, just because... This team a year ago, and I know you got a lot of transfers in and Caleb Williams is there, but it's just something about the meat of this team. I don't know if you can go worst to first that fast in the Pac-12. I just feel like somebody's going to knock them off either the Pac-12 championship game or or like a Utah game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just – I don't know if they can t- – they'll keep you going, I think, to the end. But when you see Utah or Oregon, I think – the ship then sinks and the reality sets in that this was, you know, this is a, what a two and 10 team a year ago. Um, that's, that's out kicking their coverage this year. I, I think that Utah is the most frustrated and angry team in the country after watching Florida play the last, the other three games. <laughs> this is true. This and is true. Utah will not let this happen to them again. They are going to put the pause on USC. Wow. See, I like that pick. I, uh, I've said all year, I, I think USC is very talented, a very good football team. I, I they think are. They're, they're I super think, talented. 
I think they're due for a loss no one sees coming in a weird way. And I like look, last I, week. I, well, like last week, but I think too many people saw that coming in a weird way. There were a lot of people, at least in the betting circles, that liked Oregon State were all over them to cover the six and a half points, uh, let alone win. But I, I don't know. I think they lose to Utah. I think you're right, Felder. I think they also lose a total shocker. I don't know what one it is, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. How if do we I'm feel correct. about them versus UCLA? That would be a shocker to me at this point. And listen, a year ago, UCLA absolutely dominated them. And it's going to be in the Rose Bowl this year because it was in the Coliseum last year. That could be right for it. I mean, you know, Chip's been looking for that for that signature victory since he's been right. in L.A. That could be one that could could pull off. I like that one. And that's right at the end of the year, right yeah. after Thanksgiving. Yeah, there we go. One to watch. Keep your eyes on the Bruins, folks. Washington, UCLA, like we said, this weekend, big one Friday night. All right, let's do our five stars. We do this every single Monday night. Again, if you're listening to us on the Sirius XM app, we appreciate you. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to The Field of 12 so you do not miss anything that we do. We do these After Dark shows Monday through Thursday and Saturday evenings after all of the action. All right, around the horn, uh, we're going to each do a quarterback, a skill player, and a defender from last week that impressed you and earned your star of the week. Felder, you're going to go first. Max, you're going to go second. I'm going to go third. Felder, lead us off on your quarterback. I'm going Jalen Daniels. Come on, man. Four, four, four touchdowns to the air for Kansas. Another one on the ground. This guy was amazing. He was electric, and, and he showed that why, why, if, why not us, why not now? So I love him. Max, what do you got? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going Yogi's neck of the woods. I'm going to give it to Bo Nix. Bo needs it. You know, 400 yards passing. He, he completed 75% of his passes, 33 or 44, three tutties. They get the victory. Oregon looks like they're now on track. So I think Bo Nix needed some love. Um, so I gave him my, my star for quarterback. Yeah, Bo Nix uh, doing the Bo Nix thing he does where he wins his team games about once, maybe twice a month, and then goes missing. So he good one. Good one for Bo. Uh, I'm going C.J. Stroud. I think he took the, the pole position here on the Heisman watch yeah. right now. And uh, Bryce Young had a very good week as well, but he threw for five touchdowns. It, to me, that was how we all expected the Ohio State offense to look preseason against a program in Wisconsin. I have no idea how good they are or not good they are this year yet. Uh, but that's a program that has caused some of the top dogs in the Big Ten problems in the past. Ohio State just eviscerated them with C.J. Stroud leading the way. Skill guys, Felder, who you got? Well, see, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna live in that Ohio State talk, and I'm gonna go with Cade Stover. This is a guy that's played linebacker. He's played defensive end. He's now playing sort of like this tight end, kind of that that F slash H that they've got there. And this is a guy that he only caught four passes, but he had two touchdowns and. He was a part of a very clear plan that Ohio State had to attack the middle of the field. And as they attacked that middle of the field, he was able to create really big success. So I'm going to go with Cade Stover, uh, a name that most people would never say. But to me, he stood out the most in that game early. I'm going I'm going double down here. It's two weeks in a row, Felder. <laughs> from Michigan. Yes. I watched that game. And that boy put the entire team on his back. Marshawn. It, it was a very good game against Maryland. I felt like Maryland just kind of self-imploded. Yes. And they also, some of the referees, some of those calls that should have went their way did not. That let that game get escaped. But, I mean, when you think about it, 30 carries, 243 yards, he was dragging dudes. Yes. And, and he got stronger as the game went on. I picked him a week ago because he was just a touchdown scoring machine. I wish I had him in fantasy, but we don't have college fantasy yet. Um, but, I mean, just a solid day. That was one of the early games I watched before I had to get to the stadium to call my game, and he was impressive. Workhorse. All right, we got one minute left, so I'll be quick. Brock Bowers. Need I say anything more? Brock Bowers is my No, guy. you don't have to say anything more. I'm gonna, listen, defensive guy, I'm going Ivan Pace from Cincinnati. Uh, four and a half tackles for loss and two and a half sacks. What are we doing? Like, yes, you're the guy. You beat Indiana, you're the guy. Max, what do you got? I'm going to Monty Richardson for, from uh, Texas A&M just because of the play and the heads-up skill to rip the ball from your own player and go 80 yards and Amazing. start swing in the onslaught for the team. So I like him. Defense for me, I've gone a guy who's made a big play at a big time. I'm sticking with that this week, but there was a big story behind it. Brian Brassie from Clemson yes. this week. Yeah. 
uh, a massive pass deflection in overtime that to me really led them to that win. Uh, yeah. He tragic story. His sister Ella passed away from cancer yeah. just days before the game. So for him to step up, have that moment with his family there and lead Clemson to a critical win. Kudos, Brian. Fantastic job. Uh, and fantastic job to you too. Felder, Max, always a pleasure being with you. Appreciate all the listeners watching this. We will be back tomorrow night on the field of 12 after dark.